The Presidential Leadership Scholars Program gives rising leaders the edge they need to address challenging problems and change the world. Byron Sanders became the president and CEO of Dallas nonprofit Big Thought after he participated in the Presidential Leadership Scholars Program, and he's doing his part in creating change. He leads an organization that is committed to breaking tragic cycles seen in too many communities. In creating a safe space has everything to do with the individuals who have been trained to work in these places and build genuine relationships um, with these young people where they don't feel judged and they know that their life moving forward is not defined by the worst thing that they ever did or the worst thing that ever happened to them. Byron tells us about President George W. Bush and President Bill Clinton's visit to one of Big Thought's safe spaces and about how the Presidential Leadership Scholars Program changed his personal path. I'm Andrew Kaufman, and this is The Strategist, presented by the George W. Bush Institute. What happens when you cross the 43rd president, late night sketch comedy, and compelling conversation? The Strategist, a podcast born from the word strategery, which was coined by SNL and embraced by the George W. Bush administration. We highlight the American spirit of leadership and compassion through thought-provoking conversations. And we're reminded that the most effective leaders are the ones who laugh. Our guest today is Byron Sanders, who graduated from the Presidential Leadership Scholars Program in 2017, and his career since taken him to President and CEO of Big Thought, which is a, a Dallas-based nonprofit committed to closing opportunity gaps in, in communities, and he's picked up a bunch of awards along the way. I'm not going to list them all because we don't have an hour, but Dallas Business Journal, 40 Under 40, Parkland Foundation Community First Award, Dallas Foundation Good Works Under 40. Um, it's pretty impressive. And, and But most importantly, I think it's fair to say that when the PLS program was just getting started, President Bush and President Clinton probably envisioned a guy just like Byron for this program. And so we're, we're thrilled to have you here for a little bit. Thanks, well, Byron. I am, I'm absolutely thrilled to be here. This has been an awesome day. Yeah, let, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> Our co-host is Sarah Gibbons, who's the Senior Manager of Communications, with, and she works a lot with the Presidential Leadership Scholars. Sarah, I know you've had a busy day, too. Thanks for doing this. And, oh, thanks for having me, Andrew. Um, and you all have crossed paths a couple of times, right? Yes, we have. I'm so lucky. <laughs> and you know, Byron, I don't know if I actually ever told you this, but you were one of the first scholars I ever really got to know well. Oh, um, wow. I remember when I first started working on the program, I flew out to California, and I was at the um, reunion, and I got to sit next to you and hear your amazing story. And I knew you were, you know, about to go through a job, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> transfer. And um, I yeah. heard all the, you know, all the, got the story. And it was just so awesome to, to be inspired by you. And, wow. And then get to talk to you again today. Right. So I'm excited. Throw back. Throw back. All right. Throw back Thursday. Today's Thursday. Today's Thursday. Throw back Thursday. The day, the, <laughs> the day that will be marked in the calendar as the day that the, your presidential leadership scholars world collided with your professional world as the CEO of Big Thought, where a couple of a uh, couple of guys stopped by the Big Thought program today on the SMU. Yeah, they're, they're hanging out at SMU and they they stopped by this uh, this session. What happened today, Byron? Well. Um, <laughs> Something amazing happened today. So um, I was just saying it, you know, before we started that uh, a few months back, um, Holly Kuzmich and I, we were talking 
And she said, you know, the fifth anniversary is coming up. And so I was saying, oh, you're right. It's been five years. And she said that, um, you know, we might be calling you just to talk a little bit about um, um, your alumni experience. And I said, that is great. She said, "Um, also, around that time, that y'all have some programming going on, you know, in the summer, right? I was like, absolutely. Summer's our busiest time of year. Uh, One of our best programs, one of the things that, you know, longest running programs, Creative Solutions. Actually, it's hitting its 25th year. So we talked a little bit about it. and she said, okay, cool, cool. So I didn't hear anything about it for a long time. And then I got a call a couple of weeks ago saying, hey, we're going to be featuring your story as one of the alumni um, from the program. And that enough, I was like, oh, my gosh, what an honor. This is one of the most esteemed groups I've ever, you know, tripped into. Right. And so and then she said, but wait, there's more. There's more. It's like, what, 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 pray tell. <laughs> and she said that. President Clinton and President Bush want to come by and see the program and learn more about what we're doing. And I about lost it, <laughs> lost it. And now this is during the day. I'm in my office. By the way, our entire we have an open floor, you know, uh, seating arrangement. And my even my office, there's these big glass walls. This is glass wall. I call it the fishbowl. People can look right in and they see me up. Dancing, fist <laughs> punching, all of that stuff. My uh, uh, executive associate, Linda, was looking at me like I was crazy. Then you must I'm have like, seen a heck of a YouTube video. Oh, it was the best YouTube video. Read the best tweet. <laughs> no, but um, it is. it was fantastic. So they came by today and um, talked to our kids. They talked to the youth who are in the program. They got a chance to meet... Um, youth who are now our junior staff. So they've actually been through the program. Tell us about the program. I'll tell you what the program is. Uh, This specific one is called Creative Solutions. We do a lot of different things at Big Thought. And our entire thesis is um, by building the creative muscle and uh, helping develop uh, social and emotional well-being, you're actually preparing a young person for a 21st century world. Do that through the arts. You do that through STEM. You do that through a lot of ways, but those core things, right? Creative Solutions is actually our partnership with the Dallas County Juvenile System. So we're working with kids who have come to us on probation after having uh, been incarcerated in the juvenile system, right? And so you're dealing with a lot of kids, a lot of young people who have been through some things. And quite frankly, uh, many of the things that got them there were things that they did for survival, Right. Like the conditions created the conditions that would um, um, make the choices that they that they made a likelihood for any human being. Right. You have to stop the cycle. Exactly. So we have to stop cycle. Well, this program is an arts as workforce program. They come to us in the summer and they're with us for seven weeks. We anchor it here and host it here at uh, in a great partnership with Southern Methodist University at the Meadow School of the Arts. We have uh, community based professional teaching artists who are the instructors and the youth themselves are not students, but they're working artists. They actually get a stipend for being in the program. But we're using this as a venue through which we're teaching and helping them discover their own voice and put themselves out there into the world through art, performing or visual art. And um, um, one of the elements of that is that a, a young person can graduate, go through, finish their probation, but then come back and work in the program as a junior staffer. And so we have a, we had we had uh, some of our junior staffers be able to speak with the presidents. And then we had a young man who uh, Bone, Bone Garcia, who was a uh, youth uh, artist, then a junior staffer. And now is a professional teaching artist who's back with the oh, program wow. as well. And the reason why today was so 
amazing was for a number of reasons. One, they got to actually interact with some amazing young people, period, point blank. And these young people's stories are powerful, poignant. Uh, and they got to see their work. For a program who's one of the main things that we are trying to convey to these young people is that their voices matter and have value to have two living presidents come through and hear their stories and learn about them. That that right there puts a huge exclamation point on the value of their voice. The other thing that happened was we got to talk about the systemic issues that lead to the conditions that make programs like this necessary and how we can change things. Um, the, the work that we're doing is anchored in uh, practice of trauma toward healing. So when we think about the reality that many of the young people who are here have experienced trauma in their lives, um, having a system and a program that embraces trauma-informed methodologies, that's the reason why they now have these great stories to be able to tell about the work that they're doing. And the presidents got to come and hear that and see how that applies to other different places as well. I was so touched by Bone's story today, and I just think the fact that he went through the program, found his passion for art, went to art school, and is now practicing and practicing artist in Dallas is just incredible. And one thing that really stood out to me today was when he said, "You know, I had a, I was a really angry child, and I came to this program, and I found out, you know." I, or I found out that I actually had a passion for art and I was able because of this program yeah. to turn my anger into passion and make art. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, that's just so powerful. And so my question for you is obviously you guys provided him a safe space that he could explore and be imaginative and learn about, you know, his talent and passion for art. Um, why are safe spaces so important? Trauma informed practice is one of the core principles, uh, providing a safe space. When we talk about trauma, I think I want to contextualize this just a little bit. Um, trauma isn't, is, is a word that, that gets tossed around, but what we're talking about is it's, it's effect on the human body, on the human brain. Uh, when a person is experiences trauma or, or grows up in a condition or an environment where they, they, they are persistently unsafe, your actual brain physiology starts to change. Um, you start to rely more on your limbic system, um, which is your fight or flight response, as opposed to your prefrontal cortex, where your executive function, your long term decision making, uh, your, your critical thinking takes place. And so for people who've experienced trauma, um, you see things like being very quick to react, having unexplained anger. In some instances, you actually see hypo responses. So people who 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 basically are, are so stimulated or, or so afraid, they actually it, it's easier to just shut down. You, you see them not interacting at all. Well, in order to to come back the uh, the the real effects that trauma brings to a person, which, by the way, there's a landmark study that looked at adverse childhood experiences. You can actually predict life expectancy based on the number of traumatic events that have happened in a person's life. In order to actually blunt that, you have to do things that pay attention to the science of safety, that pay attention to the to the science of relationships and and belonging that pay attention to the science of being able to embrace creativity. That's what our system is entirely based upon. And, um, and creating a safe space 
has everything to do with the individuals who have been trained to work in these places and build genuine relationships um, with these young people where they don't feel judged and they know that their life moving forward is not defined by the worst thing that they ever did or the worst thing that ever happened to them. Every interaction, even small ones, can have such a big impact. I think that's such a, a great takeaway from just the way that the presidents were interacting with them, probably, is, is, is it's, it's humanizing. It is. It is. It's, it's, it's humanizing. And the reason why them coming to meet our young people was pretty critical is because, you know, for kids who are um, coming from marginalized communities, they, they don't expect people to, and they're used to people not looking at them as human beings as fully sovereign, uniquely capable human beings. And to be treated like that um, by the the staff, the great and excellent staff at Creative Solutions, that's why it's a place that they want to come back to. And then to also have visitors um, who come in and they didn't kind of, you know, do a flyby or anything like that. They really sat down, heard their stories and the systemic issues leading to their stories, that's a meaningful experience that they can carry with them for a lifetime. And quite frankly, that I think the presidents will be able to take with them. Guarantee it as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about you a little bit now. You, when we first, when, when you first met Sarah, I was about to say when we first met, we first met probably about an hour ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when you, when you joined the program, you were, yeah. you were in the corporate world, uh, I believe. I was. And, and you joined the presidential leadership scholars program and something changed because now you're, you're heading up this nonprofit. What, what, what happened during the PLS program that, that changed your path? I was a ruthless banker. <laughs> working Wall for the man? Street, working for the man. Yeah. No, uh, I'm kidding. I, I wasn't ruthless. It was, yeah, I, love my, <laughs> I love my friends um, back at Bank of America. Uh, but, but I was. I was, I was um, in the uh, investment side, and I was an advisor uh, for institutions. Um, and, and started off with high net worth individuals, then went to um, was an institutional client advisor. Um, and I was... Uh, interestingly enough, people would always ask where I was in the office and, you know, I'm out working, I'm working, meeting with clients, but sometimes working was going to board meetings and (laughs) community meetings and doing civic work and all that stuff. And I actually did. I met people who had money perhaps (laughs) so I could bring in, in business, but I was always, I was, I was finding the ways to feel my passion while sitting in a, in another seat doing a different thing. Um, and I had a really cool project that I was working on. It was, uh, in South Dallas winds working in neighborhoods strategically and, and the, our project that, that I finished, um, along with some amazing people, um, um, that I collaborated with in the community, uh, is still going now. Um, it was called Family University and it focused on a two generation approach, um, to early childhood. Um, and so it was focusing on the, on the, on the child and their family, their household, their parents. Well, the fun part was, um, as I went through that experience, I got to know my classmates. I got to see the amazing things that all of these people were doing. Um, Your classmates in the presidential leadership. Yes, in the, in the 2017 class. Um, and, and when you're reading the bios before you show up on day one, you're like, oh, 
what? <laughs> so there's some there's some heavy hitters there. What? First day. I'm just to illustrate to you the first day. Our exercise, our icebreaker is stand up and say something about yourself that nobody else in the room can say. Right. First person stood up and said that, you know, they briefed the president on something. I mean, like three other people raised their hands. And I was like, oh, my God. Come on. Man. What am I doing? That's not fair. How did I get here? Hey, uh, I was just the girl tweeting in the back. So how do you think I felt? Listen, we were feeling the same thing, Sarah. Um, and, but but that's, the, that's the group we're with. Then you go through and you recognize you're with these people. They have the same issues uh, with their kids not sleeping. They're like pitter-patter of feet, running to jump into bed and keep you awake. You have a guy who's, you know, trying to get in shape. You, you got people who, who, who might have lost a family member. Um, you have people who hit, you know, these really cool milestones. I, I rode in three, back home, three-hour ride in an Uber with Lisa Atherton, who's now the president of uh, Textron, you know, Bell Helicopter um, uh, parent company. And we're, she, I call her sis. She calls me bro at this point. Everybody became a human, including the two presidents. When we got to sit down with them and talk to them. Um, and, and for me, my biggest takeaway that actually drove my desire was to recognize that all of these amazing people doing amazing things right now or who have done amazing things in history, they are people. They are normal people. They were not endowed with some sort of superhero power. There are no X-Men. There are no <laughs> Avengers. Nope. They are normal people, but doing extraordinary things. And so if that's the case, then I, um, I don't have a right not to. I don't have a right to uh, defer what I think I'm actually supposed to be doing. And that was the tipping point that got me to make a decision about going back into the uh, cause related space explicitly. It's not everybody's decision, but it was mine. And um, and I threw my name in the hat uh, for Big Thought. And by the grace of God, I got the opportunity to join a team of some amazing people uh, who are committed to youth agency and uh, making sure that the greatness in every young person is allowed to shine forward. And, you know, we always talk about the secret sauce of PLS because, you know, it's the way that we put together a diverse group um, and have all these amazing experience together. It creates an incredible network of peers. And, um, you know, a lot of times we say, the program's incredible, but really the secret sauce of PLS is this incredible network you have after. Can you talk a little bit about um, what it's like to be, you know, a part of that family and maybe give some examples of, you know, how you guys are in touch and help me, helping each other, you know, with your career, yeah. and with personal stuff I, too? I, I have more than a few. Goodness gracious. I was, I was sitting back thinking about it the other day. One of them's now on my board. Tynesha Playa oh Robinson, that's incredible. Uh, who came in the next class, is a board member of mine, and thank God she is because we just did a strategic plan that if we had to pay for her services, we would not have paid for her services, <laughs> which just was not going to be possible. Right. She is one of the most brilliant people that I ever known, and she led us through our new strategic plan that has catapulted us into our next era. Um, and and she's she's on our executive board doing some amazing work today. Even 
the uh, the being able to capture the stories of our young people. Um, we have one of the most talented uh, videographers, producers, documentarians. He's all of those things together. Hollis Miminger, yes, my class member, um, who is doing some amazing work. I just came back from Chicago, where I went up to visit. Um, um, the work that Arnie Duncan is doing at uh, Chicago Cred, where he's working with uh, formerly incarcerated returning citizens. Actually, he's supporting the work that they're doing in their own communities with each other on the south side and west side of Chicago. Guess how that connection got made? Ultimately, it came from Anarima Bagrava, who is also my class member, and we're working on being able to bring some of that work back here to Dallas. I could go on and on and on, but the joy is no matter who I call, they pick up. And no matter when I call, actually, <laughs> they pick up. And it's not always even about work. Sometimes we're just calling and checking in on each other. And my man, Josh Goldberg, and I, we have an ongoing text thread <laughs> of nothing but how long? Not long. Martin Luther King's uh, very powerful um, um, rejoined that he kept using in one of his most uh, moving speeches. Uh, and, and we know everything that that means. Every time one of us will randomly send that text, Josh Goldberg, how long? I replied back, not long. We out here making a difference and we're going to get where we all need to be with our collective efforts. Wow. That's, that's powerful. It's, it's such a great Testament to to these people are because and we, we're working with Hollis too. Like he he was uh, he filmed the the visit to to uh, Big Thought today. That's right. Um, his work is incredible. And Taisha also actually she spoke at the Forty Three Club here at the Bush Center fairly recently. So these are of course all, she did. Of yeah, she. Course. I mean, she is a she is a impressive lady. Yes, she is. And and you're an impressive guy. That's that's among them. Shucks. So we want to make sure that we ask you one of the questions that we always ask our guests as they come through. And I think your answer will be interesting. I don't know. I have no idea what it's going to be, but I think it'll be interesting. And that's, yeah, don't, don't, don't let this down. Cause we'll, we'll tell you what president Bush answered later when we ask. Right, cool. <laughs> um, you would already know if you listen to the podcast, but that's neither here nor there. I do. I'm just <laughs> checking to see if you were, were paying attention. That's a, a good point. That is what I was doing. So what as a nation are we not talking enough about that we should be talking about? Systemic racism. Hmm. Um, the thing that we're not talking about is systemic racism. And, and here's what I mean by that. I think anytime race comes up or racism comes up, we're always talking about interpersonal stuff, right? Uh, broadly speaking, like, oh, that guy used the N word or this person was, um, you know, uh, did, did not use the, the right adjective or, or that person was insensitive. And all of those things are actually real. Right. But the interpersonal stuff um, comes because of the air that we breathe and our history. We have to we have to confront it with truthfulness. And when I prefer getting to the systemic racism conversation, because that depersonalizes it, we weren't none of us were born um, when the country was founded. No, none of us were born when the institution of slavery was founded. None of us were alive when uh, indigenous people's land were taken from them. Uh, but we are all the heirs of a system that has been built with a hierarchy of human value based on race and ethnicity. And a lot of that was done because of economics and for power, whatever, right? 
it is what it is. We have to be truthful and we have to acknowledge that. But a lot of the things that we're wanting to fight today that we're trying to bring solutions to are a function of the segregation um, that was uh, established even post freedom emancipation of um, uh, slaves from African descent. Um, it was it was entrenched in um, the the uh, execution of the GI Bill and all the things that were a massive transference of wealth um, and uh, redlining. Right. When cities deliberately were sculpted in a way that actually created uh, uh, segregation. And there's a reason why in the most economically depressed places, um, um, particularly in our urban environments where you see concentrations of people of color, there's a reason why whether you're talking Maine or Honolulu, whether you're talking, uh, you know, St. Louis, Detroit or L.A. or Dallas, those the communities that are less well off are the communities that are largely of color. It's not because there's a difference in the DNA. It's because of the intentional um, and, 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 and even in, at times unintentional, um, you know, partition of resources uh, based on science that we've all debunked years and years and years ago. So if we recognize that that's the reality and you can predict by zip code, life expectancy, uh, incarceration rates, we look at the reality that one in three black baby boys today is projected to be incarcerated at some point over the course of their life. If we know that these things are true, then it's not an individual issue. There's a systemic issue that has individual results. So if we are serious about really wanting our country to live up to the ideals that were written in those founding documents, that we know the even architects of those founding documents didn't fully understand what they were writing, right? Because women weren't included at the time. People of color weren't included at the time. Who knew that, you know, a couple hundred years later, this is what our society would look like. And these are the people that that document should still apply to. They didn't know. So America has always been an ideal that we're chasing. It's always a goal. It's a mission statement that we're chasing. And if we're really serious about people who have been part of these marginalized groups being able to fully partake in the ideal, then we have to take race and, and systemic racism, historical and systemic racism as a factor in um, the root cause issues and build strategy from there. Release yourself from all the shame, release yourself from the taboo and let's just get strategic and tactical about it because too many people's lives rest on it. If America is an ideal that we're working toward, are we going to, do you think we're going to get there? I do think that we're going to get there. Um, James Baldwin, um, said, I am alive, therefore I am an optimist, right? Every day we wake up and we have an opportunity to move ourselves a millimeter, a centimeter, a micrometer closer to that ideal. And it's not going to be something that's going to be finalized or realized in all of our lifetime because with every generation, we actually realize that we weren't doing something else right. Things that we don't even know about yet, right? Um, it is a constant journey. 
And actually, that's what I believe with our country. And I believe that with myself, I have a personal mission statement. The mission of Byron Keith Sands is to love my God with all my heart and soul, to be the husband, father, son, and brother, according to what pleases him, and to work diligently and daily in my most sincere efforts to pursue my appointed purpose with honor, character, bravery, and love. Wrote that in 07. It hasn't changed. It's my North Star. It's my blueprint. It's my guiding light. Am I perfect on it? No. It's a really tough one. My wife yeah. is actually in the room looking at me and laughing. And she and I both know I fall on my face daily. <laughs> I don't believe that. Okay, but you know what you don't fall on? What? You have the best style I've true. ever seen. <laughs> That's true. And I was going to ask. I have to. Yeah. Because seriously, Byron, every time we see you, you're just the most <laughs> dapper guy in the room. That's Where hilarious. did you learn this? Um, I would like to say that it all came from my own um, brain. But it did not. Also, the person in the room who was back down there laughing, Celeste, was the one who encouraged me to buy my first pair of jeans that fit in college. <laughs> and uh, and it's been it's been it's been all she wrote. And so today, even today, I was like, Celeste, um, is this good? Do you like this? And then I'm always waiting for her to nod her head. When she nods her head, I take note. Now I can replicate. <laughs> I can replicate, but I uh, I need her help. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I might I might ask if I can borrow Celeste to go Please. to help to help me pick out some uh, some duds because I'm struggling. Same Listen, I understand, too. man. We all struggling, brother. Byron, thanks so much for doing this. We've got to let you get to dinner, but uh, you should want to learn more about Big Thought, everyone out there. And so visit BigThought.org to learn more, and you can get involved by connecting on Facebook and Instagram at Big Thought. Byron, thanks so much for doing this. Love y'all. Thank y'all. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to help us spread the word about The Strategist, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the major listening apps. If you're tuning in on a smartphone, tap or swipe over the cover art. You'll find episode notes with helpful information and details you may have missed. The Strategist was produced by Ioana Pappas at the George W. Bush Institute in Dallas, Texas. Thank you for listening.